Good evening, high school football fans. This is High School Football America for December 10th, 2015. I'm Jeff Fisher, host of the show and founder and editor-in-chief of High School Football America and HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. Welcome welcome to the high school football season. If you're playing right now, you're either in a semifinal or a championship game. And congratulations to all. Good luck to all this weekend. It's uh, down the stretch they come to use the uh, horse racing vernacular. And boy, what a uh, race we have for our fourth mythical national championship. For those of you new to the show and new to High School Football America, um, 2012, we used an opinion poll, but then in 2013, we began developing our algorithm. Uh, it's uh, very sophisticated, and uh, a lot of uh, people out there uh, in the know, coaches and uh, uh, people in the media feel like we've gotten it right. There's a couple of other computer rankings out there, but uh, ours uh, seems to be uh, carrying its weight, I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, all three years, the Allen Eagles from Texas have been the number one team in the land. Uh, they shared it back in 2012. They shared the national championship with uh, John Curtis out of Louisiana. But once we get it, got into the uh, algorithm, the Eagles have uh, been able to do it. And why not? They've captured three straight Texas State championships in the biggest classification. They're going for number four. They have now won 57 straight as a result of defeating uh, last week unbeaten Denton Ryan 48-27. And the Eagles, another big game this week, uh, team ranked number 26 in the nation as uh, High School Football America does its top 25. And then the uh, 26 through 50, we like to call the other 25. We release our top 25 on Sunday before any other ranking service does out there. And uh, then on Monday we put out the uh, the other 25. So a big game for Allen this week as they look to try and go after their fourth straight Texas championship, looking for a 59 straight. The Texas record, by the way, is uh, 68 straight. So uh, they've got a shot at that if they continue to win going into next season. And on the uh, first part of the show here, we are going to spend a lot of time looking at the uh, the championship championship chase who has a shot at it and then a little bit later in the show we are going to speak with author Tim Hudak who knows a thing or two about national championships he's written the book all the way to number one and Tim has done some incredible research and writing on the subject of high school football national championships as he takes us back to the uh, turn of the 20th century yes way back when in uh, 1910 uh, he starts talking about uh, how teams played for a national championship. And uh, I don't want to give it away, but in a lot of cases, it's just like, uh, we think we're pretty darn good. And, uh, oh, by the way, you're pretty darn good. Let's play a championship game. And we're going to start talking about uh, the first uh, great team, uh, Oak Park High School, uh, which is uh, in Chicago. And uh, he's going to take us all the way up through uh, the end of the, uh, the 20th century with the great De La Salle teams. And De La Salle is in the hunt for another uh, state championship and a very high ranking in the High School Football America Top 25 that will be put out the day after the regular season ends. That will be on December 20th. We will be uh, out before anybody else. We will crown the first national champion. And as I said, we're going to uh, take the time here over the 
the next several minutes to look at the national championship chase. But again, Tim Hudak, you don't want to miss this interview. He's got some great little tidbits about some great programs around the country through the years. We'll talk some Illinois football. We'll talk Texas football, Florida, California. Just a real great book and uh, would make a great uh, Christmas gift for uh, any high school football fan that's out there. But let's get back to the... uh, championship chase as it stands right now Uh, again two more weeks to go in the season texas is in its state semifinal round we talked a little bit about allen allen controls its fate although we can make this note right here corona centennial which is right behind um, the Allen Eagles and the Corona Centennial Huskies from Southern California here. They're a perfect 14-0 as well. Uh, their strength of schedule is getting pretty darn good down the stretch here. Now, we mentioned that Allen will play number 26 Westlake this week. Uh, on the horizon, if they win that one, will be a, a match in uh, Houston. Uh, again, uh, for those of you uh, that didn't hear it earlier this year, a little bit of a screw-up there at uh, Jerry's Dome there at AT&T Stadium and the uh, championship games, which have just been so good in the Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area with 50,000-plus uh, attending those games have been moved to uh, the home of the Houston Texans, NRG Stadium, uh, because of a scheduling conflict with the NFL. So uh, anyway, the long and the short of it is the uh, the Eagles, if they get by this one, they'll go to Houston the following week for a championship. There in the championship round, they will get the winner of uh, Juts, Judson and uh, uh, North Shore. And uh, Judson is the uh, only team with a pretty good record that will help Allen's strength of schedule. Uh, North Shore, uh, three losses on the season. Judson has won that one loss to nationally ranked uh, Cibolo Steel, which is in the division below them, uh, Class 6A Division 2. Cibolo Steel right now is number 16 in the nation. So Allen uh, could be challenged on that last day by what Corona Centennial will have done over its last two games. Uh, the Huskies last week beat number two St. John Bosco. Uh, St. John Bosco, uh, one of the top teams I've ever seen in, in all my 40-plus years of watching high school football. Um, Corona Centennial playing a darn near first half that was perfect uh, and winning uh, 62-52. St. John Bosco did challenge the Huskies in the second half. They played a much uh, better ball game in the second half, but that first half, the Huskies were were pretty perfect. So now what that does is Corona Centennial, which was number three and moves to number two this week, um, has one game left. They have an off week this week, and then on the 19th, Uh, the same day that Allen will play for a championship if they get there. Uh, The Huskies will play De La Salle. And De La Salle has been to uh, every state bowl championship game ever played in California since they started in 2006. Uh, The only time they lost in the Open Division championship game was to St. John Bosco a couple of years ago. Last year, uh, they defeated Corona Centennial rather handily, although it was a game that could have gone either way up until one point. Uh, They have played five times in the last nine years in some sort of a, a state championship game in California. So De La Salle and Corona Centennial, no strangers to each other. So De La Salle is ranked uh, right now number seven this week. But, uh, you know, they have a chance still to move up. Corona Centennial uh, has uh, has defeated a, uh, a Utah State champ in East. That helps. Uh, Allen has defeated Vieira, uh, which will be playing for the 7A state championship game in Florida this week against uh, number 12 
St. Thomas Aquinas. So both teams have beaten some some programs uh, this year that have done some good things, and that helps the strength of schedule. If you really want to look ahead, um, if if and, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but what it looks like right now is Allen one, Corona Centennial two, Bishop Gorman three. Uh, Gorman right now needing both Centennial and um, and Allen to lose probably to move itself into the Mythical National Championship for 2015. Another great year by Gorman. Undefeated, uh, they won their seventh straight Nevada Division I championship last weekend. But quite honestly, while they played a very strong uh, out-of-state schedule, some of those teams maybe not performing as well as a lot of people had predicted. For example, Bingham, uh, the defending state champs in Utah, not able to get back into the championship game. Uh, they did beat Don Bosco Prep out of New Jersey, and, and, and Bosco is number 20 this week in the High School Football America Top 25 after winning uh, for the first time since 2011 the non-public Group 4 championship in the state of New Jersey. So uh, that one is going to help them. Bellevue got back to the championship game in Washington, and uh, there they uh, they lost to Eastside Catholic again. What a game that was, by the way. 48-42, the Crusaders came back to win it in overtime. They were down by four touchdowns midway through the third quarter. But uh, right now, Gorman's strength of schedule just a notch below everybody else's. Uh, in the four hole is St. Edward out of Ohio. The Eagles 14 and one. Uh, they beat number 12 Wayne in the Division One Championship game last weekend, 45-35. The only loss for the Eagles this year. A very good St. Joseph regional team out of Montvale, New Jersey. St. Joseph lost to Don Bosco in the Group Four non-public championship game in New Jersey last week. Sitting right behind the Eagles, and this is the one that can really change things up. Colquitt County going for its second straight 6A title in the state of Georgia. Uh, they will play Roswell. Roswell is in our other uh, 25 right now. Uh, I got to be honest with you, I haven't really been impressed with the the the, the strength of schedule in Georgia this year. Uh, Grayson had a great year. Uh, Mill Creek had a great year. Roswell undefeated coming into this game, as is Colquitt County. And if Roswell could knock off the Packers, uh, what that would probably do is open the door for uh, De La Salle to make a jump, maybe all the way to number five. Uh, IMG is number six right now. Now they have not played in a long time because they don't play for a state championship in the state of Florida because of uh, the recruiting and how they bring their players in. So conceivably, a, a Colquitt County loss and a, uh, a De La Salle win, if everybody else wins, you know, De La Salle could be number five going into the game against Corona Centennial. And if Corona Centennial can beat De La Salle in the championship game, what would happen there basically would be that they had beaten number two and number five over the last three weeks of the season, which would help Corona Centennial's um, overall strength of schedule. And, um, you know, some other uh, teams kind of in the mix here. You've got Katie. Now, Katie's in the uh, second division in Class 6A in, in Texas. A huge game this week against Cibolo Steel. We talked about Cibolo Steel earlier. They're number 16. The, the Tigers, uh, Katie, 14-0. They're number 8 in the land. And, and what a year they've had, 700-plus points. And they've only given up 55 on defense. Uh, it's going to be quite a collision coming up here. And uh, the, the whole 6A Division II bracket is, is pretty darn interesting because on the other side, we have number 25, Lake Travis, and Mansfield, which is in the other 25. So that uh, 6A Division II title game is going to be a dandy. And 
all of the teams involved, no matter which team wins, is going to be helped out on the strength of schedule by playing some darn good competition to try and get to that um, uh, that that championship game and then and possibly winning that championship game. St. John Bosco falls from two to nine. Their season's over. Uh, Center Grove is at number ten from Indiana. A fine season. A six A championship there. A six A title this past weekend for Mail from Kentucky. Season is completed. They finished number eleven. Uh, we talked uh, about the Bulldogs with Chris Wolf a couple of times this year. Uh, the head coach there. He talked after they won the national select seven on seven passing championship in Alabama and that definitely helped uh, lift them to a high national ranking and a, and a state championship. We mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas. They have continued to climb after stumbling uh, early in the season, and they've got a, done a good job uh, after uh, losing Nick Bosa and their quarterback's been out. Uh, the Raiders have put themselves back in position to win a 7A championship. They will play Vieira. We talked about Vieira. They played Texas earlier in the year. Allen, I'm sorry, from Texas earlier in the year, and uh, that one helps uh, the Eagles' strength of schedule, but St. Thomas Aquinas is all the way back up to number 24 in our rankings. Uh, from Maryland, we've got a couple of teams at 13 and 14. DeMatha is 13. Gilman is number 14. These teams, you know, don't have a shot at a national championship, but fine seasons. Uh, LaSalle, we, we had them number 10 in the uh, preseason. They lost a couple of games, played one of the toughest schedules in the country. By the way, Ohio has had an incredible, incredible year of football and and right now they're kind of on the cusp of having the the second or third best state of football this year um it, it's been an interesting year in the buckeye state lasalle wins its second straight division two championship finishing number 15 last week again we've got two more polls to come out uh Cibolo steel number 16 again taking on number eight katie this week they can make a big statement to move up higher in the rankings wayne which lost to st edward in ohio in the division one championship game tumbled from 12 to 17, a one-loss season for the Warriors there. Uh, Colerain, another Ohio team, two losses, but again, to tough, tough opponents. Uh, Colerain finishes the season 12-2, and two, and they're 18th in the poll right now. Now some new teams coming in. The first one uh, this week is Starkville, the Yellow Jackets from Mississippi. They climb in after winning the uh, 6A championship. They were uh, in the top 25 at the end of last year. Starkville uh, climbing into the top 25. A good, strong finish. Only one loss this year, losing to a, a 4A champ uh, early in the year. But uh, they were able to crank it up and, and move on from that early season loss. Uh, Don Bosco Prep talked about them. They're number 20. Their season is completed. Uh, team's still playing here in California. Going to see them on Friday night against Helix in a, a state regional, the Southern Regional Final, uh, with the opportunity to go on to the state championship. Mission Viejo, uh, they've won 26 straight. They're 14-0. and Brock Johnson, the grandson of legendary uh, head coach Bob Johnson and uh, dad and uncle are on the coaching staff as well. We had Brock on the show last week. Uh, they're number 21. Loyola Academy, the 8A champs in Illinois, number 22. Uh, Eastside Catholic, we mentioned their huge comeback win over Bellevue in the state championship uh, game. They've won two straight in 3A. They finish a perfect 13-0. They move from 26 into the pole at number 23. And hey, look who's at number 24. Uh, a team that began the season uh, ranked number four. They came out of the gate getting rocked by uh, DeMatha, but uh, Miami Central has fought its way back. They're now 11-2. and two. They moved from 32 to 24 this week. They will play Armwood. 
for the 6A championship game. They're going for their fourth straight 6A championship in Florida, which would tie the mark set by Booker T. Washington last week. Give a round of applause to Booker T. and what they did to come back and win a 4A championship. Uh, lost a lot of talent, but bottom line is, at the end of the season, they were playing well and they won the state championship. Congratulations uh, to, uh, to, to BTW there on that championship. And then rounding out the top 25 is Lake Travis. Um, their strength of schedule is interesting. They're just sneaking into the top 25. Uh, they will take on Mansfield coming up here in the Class 6A Division II championship game. Uh, that game will be uh, coming up this weekend uh, for the right to go to the state championship in Houston. And Mansfield uh, ranked number 30, so uh, they will uh, they will help that strength of schedule there depending on what uh, the outcome of that game is. So other teams that are still alive to get into the top 25 – uh, you've got Westlake. We talked about them. Number 26, they've got number one, Allen, this week. Euless Trinity, you know, I can see them when the algorithm all shakes out at the end. I can see them being in the top 25. What a season, but they got upset in the first round of the Texas playoffs. They're sitting at number 27. Roswell, a win over Colquitt County, would move, you know, the Rockets into the top 25. Folsom from California, great season. You know, they're on the cusp. They're at 29. You've got Mansfield at uh, number 30, a, a big win there. Uh, this weekend could, uh, you know, if they upset uh, Lake Travis, then they would move probably uh, toward the top 25, possibly into it. You've got Mallard Creek from North Carolina playing for its third straight state championship in North Carolina this week. They began the season ranked number seven. They've climbed all the way back after a couple of losses to number 31. Flanagan from Florida, a team that's been uh, in the, uh, you know, the other 25 most of the season. They began the season in the top 25 in some national polls. Flanagan playing for an 8A championship with an 11-2 record. Uh, they will go for that this weekend. And then you've got Pittsburgh Central Catholic began the season number 22. Uh, tough loss early in the season. Uh, they've fought all the way back. They're in the state semifinals in Pennsylvania's biggest classification. So the Vikings have a shot to uh, kind of pull in here. And then there's uh, a lot of teams that have won state championships that are all in the, the other 25, which is our ranking between 26 and and 50. It's it's been an interesting year. There's a lot more to come, but again, if you really want to uh if you just tuned in, the, the the national championship chase is coming down to the fact that Allen and Corona Centennial control their destiny, although Corona Centennial as a result of who it's going to play in 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 the last two games of the season, uh top 5 teams possibly uh could could pop its way up even if Allen wins the state championship could have a better strength of schedule in our algorithm to climb over them and go to number one. It is going to be a fantastic finish to this season, no doubt about it. So uh, if you have any other uh, you know, questions about how the chase is coming down, we're going to have a complete preview uh, coming up on HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com tomorrow. Okay, we're going to take our first break uh, and uh, hear from all of our uh, great partners here at High School Football America. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with Tim Hudak. Uh, Tim is the uh, author of the book, All the Way to Number One. He takes a look at every decade, basically, of uh, national championships 
in high school football since the turn of uh, the century, uh, the, the 20th century, uh, going from uh, 1900 all the way up through uh, 1999. So we're going to talk to Tim Hudak when we come back. You're listening to High School Football America, and tonight we're brought to you by our usual suspects, USA Today High School Sports. Check out the Super 25 at USA Today HSS by Echo 1612. Get instant replay on your sidelines and make tomorrow's adjustments today. Echo 1612 dot com by crossover with a k crossover.com forward slash football get your free five minute demo uh, with Crossover, and uh, what a great job they do of breaking down your game film for you. It's completely compatible with Huddle. Uh, they, they started in the world of basketball. They control that space, and uh, now they're starting to get along real well. I think they were a large number of schools this year. I talked to Ken Hoffman, the head of football operations at Crossover. A large number of schools making the switch this year, and uh, also brought to you tonight by Southern Sport. Yes, Southern Sport with the TDI Razor, the Debris Inhibitor Razor. Use HSFA, the code when you go on their website at tdirazor.com, razor with a U, R-A-Z-U-R.com, and get a uh, 20% discount on your order. And also brought to you tonight by ScoreStream. Uh, get the scores all this weekend. All of our scoreboards are there for you, easy to see. Top 25, the state-by-states, and uh, they're all powered by ScoreStream. Get the app and score along at your game that you're out at this week by going to uh, Google Play or uh, the iTunes Store. Going to take a break. When we come back, going to talk uh, lots of old school football national championships uh, as way back as 1910. That and more with Tim Hudak. When we come back, you're listening to High School Football America. Instant replays on a high school football sideline? Seriously? Yes. The future is here with Echo 1612's Instant Replay Sideline System. Echo's cutting-edge technology was the first to the market two years ago. Echo delivers instant replay to your sideline on an iPad within seconds of a play being finished so that you can make tomorrow's coaching changes today. This NFHS-approved product may be the biggest change in high school football since the invention of the helmet. Coaches, you'll gain a competitive edge by adding Echo 1612's Instant Replay Sideline System to your coaching toolbox. How cool is this? The Echo Instant Replay Sideline System works with both your current booth and end zone cameras. Plus, and this is an important point, Echo works without any cellular connection, data plans, or internet. The list of high school football programs using Echo 1612 system is growing daily, meaning your opponent may already have a game time advantage. You don't want to be left out, do you? The Echo 1612 advantage is simple. Echo plus an iPad equals instant replay on your sideline that improves your game planning. Seriously, you'll be making coaching adjustments in real time, not the day after. Except no copycats, Echo 1612 is the best on the market. Echo 1612's cutting-edge technology helps you make tomorrow's adjustments today. Learn more at Echo1612.com. Field turf rubber pellets, be gone. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is a seamless outer sock that was specifically designed to keep crumb rubber and other fine debris from artificial or grass playing surfaces out of an athlete's shoes and socks, thus keeping such debris out of gym bags and locker rooms. The Razor, spelled R-A-Z-U-R, is favored by athletes who want the look of tape, by trainers who no longer have the time to tape only for show, 
and by moms who no longer want that crumb rubber in the house. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is made in America. It's 70% nylon and 30% spandex, making it extra lightweight and very durable, and it's backed by a one-year performance guarantee. The Debris Inhibitor Razor covers just the right amount of a player's shoe while keeping those shoelaces tight. It's fully customizable, machine washable, and more importantly, it's easy to get on and off. The Debris Inhibitor Razor comes in 23 colors and sizes are youth, medium, large, and for that extra big foot, extra large. Founded in 2010 by former University of Mississippi All-SEC football player Carl Hoppy Langley III, Southern Sport Inc. created the Debris Inhibitor to improve athletic performance by protecting athletes, allowing them to look and feel better with technically advanced products engineered with superior fabric construction, patented design, and proven innovation. Get a discount on your order by using the High School Football America code HSFA when you order at TDIRazor.com. That's Razor spelled with a U at TDIRazor.com. If you're scouting your opponents without Crossover's Game Film Breakdown platform, you're missing an opportunity to get a huge edge over the competition. Crossover's service lets you upload game film from your hard drive, video camera, or other websites like Huddle. Their team of football experts will then clip and tag the game with player and formation info so that when you log into your account, you can filter the clips however you'd like. They'll also automatically prepare a comprehensive tendency report and down and distance report for your staff so you can see exactly what your opponents like to call in specific situations. We all know that every coach spends countless hours preparing before a game. It's not about the time you put in, it's about what you do with that time. That's Crossover's biggest advantage. It allows you to use your prep time more efficiently and get an even deeper level of insight since you don't have to waste time setting up the film. Check them out. You're going to love them. You can sign up for a quick free demo at crossover.com forward slash football. That's crossover with a K dot com forward slash football. USA Today High School Sports is America's leading platform for high school football. The Super 25 team rankings and expert American Family Insurance All-USA list have been determining the best of the best nationally and locally for more than three decades. Be sure to check out usatodayhss.com, the best in the game for everything high school football. This portion of High School Football America is brought to you by USA Today High School Sports. Check out the Super 25 each and every Monday at noontime Eastern Time at usatodayhss.com. Well, that's probably a pretty good segue into our next segment as we're going to talk about a great book that is out there right now that you can get online, also in bookstores around Ohio and some other places in the country. It's called All the Way to Number One, written by uh, Tim Hudak. He's on the line here. It's the story of the greatest high school football national championship teams of the 20th century, 400 packed pages with great photographs, great research, great writing. You're going to enjoy it if you're a high school football fan and you're interested in uh, not only what's uh, going on in the national championship scene these days. This one takes you back to where it all began in Chicago. And Tim's on the line right now to talk about this book and some of the great stories from decades of high school football. Welcome to the show, Tim. 
Oh, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that introduction. Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoyed the book tremendously. I, I still have about a quarter to go, but um, uh, before we dive into it, I mean, again, you you go all the way back to uh, you know the 1910s and uh, uh, Oak Park High School in Chicago, and you you bring it up through some of the teams that a lot of people will know in the modern era, from uh, uh, you know Archbishop Moeller, Valdosta. Uh, you get De La Salle in there, uh, but before we kind of dive into the real guts of it, when you do something that big, I don't think it takes you a day or two to do it tell us a little bit what it went into this book and and maybe really just start with the genesis what what got you all fired up to write a book like this well i've always you know for about the last 20 25 years i've been interested in the history of high school football and uh football in general and about five years ago uh, my co-author john flew contacted me and he was he's also been following high school football at the national scene and over the last couple of years uh our interests have evolved, and uh, we decided to put this book out. I did most of the research and writing. John did the, most of the stats that are in the back of the book, with seven appendices, and he also uh, took care of the production of the book as well. So uh, it was just a labor of love. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, are you a guy? I mean, you said 25 years into it, but, I mean, are you a guy that when you were a kid, you were you know, a big high school fan at your, your school's team and all that? Uh, I, I was a fan, but not as much as I am now. There was a, one of the better local high schools uh, was right at the end of our street when I was growing up. And then uh, uh, I have to admit that uh, once I got out of grade school, I went to St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, which has uh, won 11 state championships and three national championships over the last 25 years. But, uh, you know, that, that's pretty much about 25 years ago I started getting into it, and uh, it's just snowballed. Yeah. I've written uh, – this is my eighth book on high school football. Well, it's, a, it's a beautiful one. Uh, folks, we're talking tonight to uh, Tim Hudak. He uh, lives in Ohio uh, all the way to number one, and uh, they uh, go back uh, to the beginning, and we'll start uh, maybe there on the interview here, Tim, which is uh, you talk about the first great team. has a lot of interest to me. My girlfriend's from Chicago. I lived in Chicago twice. I was actually at Oak Park High School about five years ago when they turned on the lights for the first time ever there. It's a great tradition at Oak Park, and that, that kind of began the book, and I loved it for many reasons, aside from the fact it's our, our first national champion, so to speak. What I loved about it is kind of the backdrop you give as to how, you know, Oak Park was really at the forefront of the modern-day era game of football. So maybe you can kind of take the, the listeners on a little bit of a journey there to that. Yeah, well, the, you know, the, the coach that got the Oak Park rolling in uh, 1910 was Bob Zupke, who after three years at Oak Park, went on to have a couple, two or three national championship teams at the University of Illinois over 25 years, and he and Paul Brown are the only coaches to win high, high school and college national championships. And Zupke had pretty good team up in Muskegon, Michigan, at Muskegon High School. He had started into the passing game when it became legal around 1908, 1909. He brought that down to Oak Park. And he just had a, a fantastic group of kids. You know, back then, there may be, if you're lucky, you had 20 kids on a football team, and everybody went both ways. And, you know, as I point out in uh, some of the stories, guys who today would have been benched for two or three weeks with concussions just get up and, you know, move <laughs> on to the next play. And, you know, if they're w reeling a little bit, so be it. You know, they didn't worry about it. 
about it back in 1910. <laughs> no, it's called getting your bell rung back. Then. We right. all remember that. Tim Hudak is on the line tonight uh, talking about his new book, All the Way to Number One. We're going to tell you a little bit later how you can get a, get a hold of this, of course, online and in some bookstores around Ohio. And hopefully it uh, grows to a lot of different places around the country. It's the story of the greatest high school football national championship teams of the 20th century. And, um, you know, nowadays, Tim, as we all know, everybody, I, you know, we have a poll. It's an algorithm, so it's a computer ranking. We've got the, you know, the human polls where everybody puts their opinion into it. But, you know, back in, in the day, Oak Park played for the first national championship. And uh, I, I think it would be interesting for our listeners to find out how that all happened. I mean, is it is it similar to today where we have the opinions out there? How did that first game with Oak Park uh, uh, come about? Well, actually... Uh, from about 1897 to 1939, there's about uh, a little under three dozen games that are recognized as having been played for the national championship of high school football. And basically, these are games that were arranged on the fly, basically. You know, if you had a good team on the West Coast and you'd already beaten a couple of West Coast teams, and believe it or not, back then, these, some of these teams did a lot of traveling. Toledo Scott and Toledo Wake would play seven or eight out of state teams. In, in a season, but uh, they would uh, just call up, you know, whoever you thought was the better team in another section of the country, and you know, let's get together. For example, uh, one team, uh, Waco, Texas, which had a, a national championship team in 1927, had a supporter visiting Cleveland. Was in a hotel bar, was talking to a fella. The fella said, "Hey, we got a great team here in Cathedral Latin," and. Two weeks later, they were playing down in the Cow Palace in Texas for the national championship. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Who needs people with computers and, right. and their opinions? That's just, like, hey, let's play a football game. That's kind of neat. Tim Hudak is on the line tonight. Uh, one of the, the great stories uh, that you can find, many, many great stories in the book, uh, all the way to number one. Uh, again, we're uh, you know kind of back in the early days at, at Oak Park High School. But um, I guess maybe this is jumping ahead, but why haven't we kind of of evolved to that in 2015 where you can literally play a national championship game. I know they tried to do it um, last year down in Florida, but it's hard because of state rules. But why haven't we evolved more than uh, we did in 1910? Well, I think uh, probably for a couple reasons, I guess. In uh, 1927, a fellow by the name of Art Jolliffe in Minnesota started uh, naming national champions. He had like the first poll. He didn't put it out every week, but at the he would watch teams across the country and he had his stringers or whatever you want to call them. And he would put out, and don't ask me why I picked this number, but he would put out a list of the 57 top teams. And this went from like 1927 to 1981, and then he made a retroactive doubt back to 1910. And so I, I'm guessing that people felt that since we had the polls, you know, you didn't have to play the game. Today, my feeling is that, and for the reason that you mentioned the where they tried to do it in Florida a year or two ago or when they tried to have one against, I think it was Don Bosco and Trinity in uh, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's that once the high school football state playoffs are done, the state officials don't want the teams playing another game. And, you know, with all the polls that are out there, maybe 10 or 12 various polls, whether they're by the expert or by the uh, computer, you might have as many as 12 teams ranked number one. So who do you pick to play in this game? So, yeah, I think the polls 
you know, nothing's perfect, but I, I like that situation, and I don't think uh, they'll ever have a national high school football championship game again. Yeah, I think the only thing that would happen, and we talked about this with uh, IMG's uh, Kevin Wright um, several weeks ago now, if, if all these uh, you know, the non-publics, the private schools, are forced to kind of create a super conference, then and only then you would. And But again, that would probably keep the publics out of it. Tim Hudak is on the line. All the way to number one is the name of the book. Um, one of the things I love about this and I'm going to get to your uh, your Ohio teams because we know the Buckeye State plays some good pretty good high school football what I love about this book are the pictures um, some of the, the newspaper clippings and by the way I love the term stringer I haven't heard that one in a long time I'm <laughs> old enough to remember it now, we're just freelancers now but stringer I love but uh, tell me a little bit about you know gathering the photos and and the clips I mean are, are we talking micro was it called microfilm is that what it was right. yeah so how'd well, you get all that uh, some of it was off microfilm, you know, uh, I had a lot of help, uh, around the country. People all over the country were more than helpful. I would call the high schools that were involved and, uh, their libraries or the athletic departments and they would send me photos. I had, uh, my brother down in Texas, went to North Texas, uh, State College to, uh, do some research on the team that we highlight from Texas, John H. Reagan High School in Austin, uh, my wife and I actually went down to Miami, Florida to research Miami High and uh, Coral Gables. We stopped in Valdosta, Georgia, and met some great people there at the uh, museum in Valdosta. I went to the football stadium. They had all kinds of materials for it. So it was just you know, like a labor of love from people all over the country, Everett, Mass, uh, Brewer, Pennsylvania. They were more than willing to share whatever materials they had with us. Well, I'm a, I'm a Pennsylvania guy, as I said, and know Berwick very well, and George Curry's a friend of mine, and uh, those people are a little crazy. I, I'm sure they had just about everything you needed because <laughs> yeah. they, they love their football there. Let's, uh, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about Ohio, and, and as a good dovetail here, I, I noticed one of the photos in here uh, uh, talking about Tiger Stadium there in Maslin, Paul Brown Stadium, and uh, you know I love the, the home grandstands, which still exist. I mean, I was there a couple of years ago. Um, let's, let's put Put, you know Ohio into perspective here. Everybody today wants to talk Texas. They want to talk Florida, Southern California out here. But Ohio has had a long history of that, and it began it began with Coach Brown. Talk a little bit about, if you will, just in general, Ohio football and its place on the national map. Well, the one one thing I found in you know over the course of researching this book is that Ohio has had more national champions than any other state. Uh, Ohio has uh, 27 national champions during the course of the 20th century, with uh, Illinois having 14, California and Texas 13 each. And the one thing that was I thought was kind of unique about uh, the Ohio champions is that not only did they have the most, but they were the most consistent. They have a national champion, at least one national champion, in every decade from 1910 through the end of the century, 1999. And they have many multiples champions too you know like some of the teams that people might not recognize but toledo scott and toledo Wade high school they were high school football in the midwest in the 1920s and early 30s between them they won six national championships and then of course moeller has five st ignatius has three and maslin has nine and there's a couple of schools with two and one so you know it and the thing i like about it is the consistency right down through the years every couple of years they keep grabbing a national championship during the 20th century and with St. Xavier grabbing one in the 21st century we're off and running again. 
Yeah, well, this year in our computer rankings, our algorithm, uh, Ohio, is is right up there. Uh, actually, the the third best state in the nation with uh, what uh, St. Ed's has done this year. Obviously, right. all the teams in in, in Cincinnati, uh, LaSalle winning a championship. We're talking to Tim Hudak tonight, uh, talking about his book, All the Way to Number One. Go out and get this book. It is uh, a wonderfully written book. It, it covers stuff that I didn't know about, and I consider myself pretty knowledgeable. You you opened my eyes in in many ways, and it's not, folks, just a book. Of about, uh, well, here's what happened in the game. It, re- it really brings together, it puts in the history of the game and kind of puts it all into context. And uh, we talked about Ohio, and, and, and certainly uh, you, you're, you're a guy that uh, knows St. Ignatius well, so I, I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't let you riff on the hometown team a little bit. And tell us a little bit about uh, St. Ignatius and, and how they kind of stack up there. I guess we, you know, they're just a notch behind uh, Maslin. Yeah, they are, uh, at least in Ohio. You know, Chuck Kyle, the current head coach at St. Ignatius, has won more state championships and actually more national championships than any other Ohio coach. I mean, Paul Brown has all the notoriety because he's the only coach to win at the high school, college, and pro level. But uh, St. Ignatius, you know, my alma mater, I won't say what year because it'll give away my age. (laughs) But, uh, you know, and we we had an offseason this year. Some of the polls had us in the top 100 and had a poor season. Didn't even make the playoffs for only the second time in, like, the last 50 or 60 years. But uh, they'll be back. Yeah, and I had uh, Coach on here, uh, Coach Kyle, on a couple of years ago. We did, by the way, uh, we had you in the uh, the top 50 in the preseason. But, right. uh, yeah, hey, uh, no doubt about it. Teams like that, programs like that, don't stay down. Talking to Tim Hudak tonight, uh, all the way to number one. So uh, Midwest uh, in the early days and, and right up through now, as you just mentioned, uh, uh, performing pretty well. But uh, let's get a couple of the other areas in here. Florida obviously had some good programs. Uh, uh, why don't we, we jump down there and talk a little bit about the evolution of high school football and good high school football in the Sunshine State. Yeah, well, uh, the the two teams that we feature from Florida, Miami High School or Miami Senior, but uh, like I say in the book, if you want to uh, look it up, you can't find Miami Senior. It's just Miami High School. And they won five national championships. They won two in the 40s and then came back in the 60s with three in the per- early part. And actually the uh, Florida teams kind of dominated football in the early 60s as far as the national rankings go because Coral Gables, Florida, which is basically a suburb of Miami and right next door to Miami High School, they won three national championships. And they shared many with the, the team I mentioned earlier, John H. Reagan of Austin, Texas. But you know, th- those were the two big teams down there. And uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the the team that uh, has the most wins ever in high school football. Valdosta, it's been saluted th- through the years, Title Town, and all the things they've done. Uh, talk about the evolution there and how they kind of came to the top of the stack, aside from just winning a bunch of football games. Yeah, they they started back in about 1941, and with the uh, the coach there, and then they from they had actually two eras where they won. And from the 70s and 80s and then the late 80s to the 90s. And um, Hyder was the one coach in the 90s, and he won three. And unfortunately, the people at Valdosta are going to shoot me, but I can't remember the name of the other coach. He's a legendary coach, but, I, you know, brain cramp. That's okay. <laughs> but but uh, he also won three. So they have six national championships. And like you say, they were the 
winningest team uh, of the 20th century. I'm pretty sure they might still be the winningest team now. I'm not sure. If yeah, they are. Yep, they are. They're okay. still number one at the top of the list. They're heading toward uh, number 800. Tim Hudak is on the line. All the way to number one is the name of the book, uh, the greatest high school football national championship teams of the 20th century, and we might as well uh, bring it up uh, to, to the modern era here as you uh, you touch upon a team that uh, who, whose record, whose mark, I, I doubt that it will ever be touched, but if it does, you know, uh, quite a program to do that. Uh, De La Salle, uh, they're, they're, they're still good. They've always been good. A great coach in Bob Latticer. Things haven't changed under uh, the new head coach. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you write about with De La Salle in the book. Well, it's, in a way, they get kind of short-changed because of the uh, situation in California because uh, for the balance of the uh, – they came in, you know, they had their era starting in the early 90s and continued on after the year 2000. And But they were, they didn't, back at then, California did not have recognized state champions. So they won two national championships to close out the uh, century and then added more in the 21st century. But, you know, they're the last team we deal with because they came right at the tail end of the century. And, you know, I had a chance, I actually had a chance to see them play when they came to Ohio back uh, about 10 years ago. Just an incredible team. Yeah, absolutely incredible, and uh, just won their 24th section championship, right. and now uh, California has a bowl championship, which is a little bit better this year than it was the previous six or seven years. It's an interesting situation. Tim Hudak is on the line tonight. All the way to number one is his book, and and Tim, uh, you, you talked about you know who made the book. Is there anybody that was kind of on the cusp that didn't get in that you can share with us and say, yeah, this team was just about there, or, or did you get them all? Uh, I think we pretty much had them all. And before I forget, and so I get the Valdosta people all satisfied, <laughs> the Wright Bazemore is the coach that I was couldn't think of. But our basic, uh, when we started working on this, John and I came up with, uh, we tried, wanted, that was one of our uh, questions, how do we pick the teams? Well, we decided that any team that had at least three national championships would be featured in the book. And then, since we were trying to do it chronologically from basically the whole century, a couple of teams with two championships and one or two with just one championship got in there, partly because we wanted to fill in some chronological gaps, but also because they had interesting stories. It's like the team from Everett High School in Massachusetts and Everett High School in Washington. Now, what are the chances that the two schools on opposite ends of the country with the same name would between them win four national championships in the span of six years. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. I was going to actually, you, you must have read my mind. I was going to give that one to you, which is one of those nuggets that I love. Is What was the, 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 the biggest thing you uncovered where you went, damn, that's cool? Uh, actually, and it might surprise a lot of people, I'm sure it will, is that, uh, well, in the final chapter of the book, we summarize everything and name the greatest, if you will, program of the 20th century, and people want it, they can read the book. Or That's why I didn't give it away. Me. No, we're not giving it away. You're right. they got to read the book. The other thing was, what, what team had the single best team for a single season? And believe it or not, it's one of the first teams that we talk about. Everett, Massachusetts in 1914. And like I tell people when they email me, you don't have to take my word for it. Back in about 1960, Sport Magazine was picking the greatest high school football team of the 20th century or up to that time, and they picked Everett. And then 
20 years later, Sports Illustrated did the same thing. They were looking for the greatest single team, and they also picked Everett. So, you know, who am I to second-guess them? <laughs> yeah, and again, you just gave me, took me to the Wayback Machine there, Sport Magazine. Forgot that existed until you just brought it up. So you're giving me all kinds of stringers, Sport Magazine. We'll see if we can get a couple more in here before you wrap it up. The book is called uh, All the Way to Number One. Tim Hudak is on the line talking to us tonight. Uh, he's based in Ohio, but this is a national book he's written. Uh, did you say this is your eighth book that you've written so far, Tim? Yes, it is. Uh, number I, I've eight? written eight books in about three or four dozen magazine articles and book reviews. Cool, very, very cool. So uh, now that we've got everybody stoked uh, after telling them some of the stories here, and we do need them to go out and buy the book so they can figure out who the best one is, according to your research, uh, how, how can people get the book? How can they find it? Well, it's available on Amazon.com or at Barnes & Noble online, or uh, I'm, most of the stores, if you're in Ohio, has the book. If you're going to be in Menor, Ohio, this coming Sunday from 2 to 4, I'll be at the Barnes & Noble there with, for a book signing. And uh, there's one or two, I know there's one store, and nobody told me the name, but there's a store in Miami that carries it. And uh, So basically, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or you can uh, email me at tlhudek at roadrunner.com if you want to order a uh, personalized signed copy. Uh, it's well worth it, folks. Uh, really enjoying the reading. You, you mentioned at the back, and we probably shouldn't gloss over that. Uh, you have a, a nice, uh, we'll call it a glossary. Maybe that's an old term, too. But you you got some, some neat stats there. Tell us a little bit about, uh, tell the listeners what they can find there, because I guess that's the part that uh, your, your co-writer, John, did a lot of. Yeah. The, well, we basically break down most of the schools that want, the schools that are featured in the book by their championship years, uh, John did a lot of work on that. We also uh, have uh, a side-by-side -side lineup of the two best teams that we feel are in the book in the back section. And then the thing that I'm most proud of, we have what I believe is the most accurate and the most researched listing of high school football national champions of the 20th century starting from 1900. I came up with some from 1900 to 1909 just to fill in the first decade. But we take it all the way to 1999, and some people may be surprised to see some of the teams that we found were not actually national champions that were on uh, are on most lists that you find today. Because with our research, we found the teams that really were named champion for those years. Very cool. Lots of great info, folks. Uh, make a great Christmas gift. It's called All the Way to Number One. Tim Hudak, the writer. Again, it's the uh, the story of the greatest high school football national championship teams of the 20th century as we hit the semifinal and championship rounds. That's all we have left in high school football this year. It might be a good thing to pick up and uh, see where it all began. Tim, congratulations. Wonderful book. Really enjoyed reading it, and I uh, recommend it to everybody. And uh, Have a great holiday season, and congratulations. Thank you very much, and you have a great Christmas, too. Thank you very much. Taking a break, coming back with more. You're listening to High School Football America. Instant replays on a high school football sideline? Seriously? Yes, the future is here with Echo 1612's Instant Replay Sideline System. Echo's cutting-edge technology was the first to the market two years ago. Echo delivers instant replay to your sideline on an iPad within seconds of a play being finished so that you can make tomorrow's coaching changes today. This NFHS-approved product may be the biggest change in high school football since the invention of the helmet. 
coaches. You'll gain a competitive edge by adding Echo 1612's Instant Replay Sideline System to your coaching toolbox. How cool is this? The Echo Instant Replay Sideline System works with both your current booth and end zone cameras plus, and this is an important point, Echo works without any cellular connection, data plans, or internet. The list of high school football programs using Echo 1612 system is growing daily, meaning your opponent may already have a game time advantage. You don't want to be left out, do you? The Echo 1612 advantage is simple. Echo plus an iPad equals instant replay on your sideline that improves your game planning. Seriously, you'll be making coaching adjustments in real time, not the day after. Except no copycats, Echo 1612 is the best on the market. Echo 1612's cutting edge technology helps you make tomorrow's adjustments today. Learn more at Echo1612.com. Field turf rubber pellets, be gone. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is a seamless outer sock that was specifically designed to keep crumb rubber and other fine debris from artificial or grass playing surfaces out of an athlete's shoes and socks, thus keeping such debris out of gym bags and locker rooms. The Razor, spelled R-A-Z-U-R, is favored by athletes who want the look of tape, by trainers who no longer have the time to tape only for show, and by moms who no longer want that crumb rubber in the house. The Debris Inhibitor Razor is made in America. It's 70% nylon and 30% spandex, making it extra lightweight and very durable, and it's backed by a one-year performance guarantee. The Debris Inhibitor Razor covers just the right amount of a player's shoe while keeping those shoelaces tight. It's fully customizable, machine washable, and more importantly, it's easy to get on and off. The Debris Inhibitor Razor comes in 23 colors and sizes are youth, medium, large, and for that extra big foot, extra large. Founded in 2010 by former University of Mississippi All-SEC football player Carl Hoppy Langley III, Southern Sport Inc. created the Debris Inhibitor to improve athletic performance by protecting athletes, allowing them to look and feel better with technically advanced products engineered with superior fabric construction, patented design, and proven innovation. Get a discount on your order by using the High School Football America code HSFA when you order at TDIRazor.com. That's Razor spelled with a U at TDIRazor.com. If you're scouting your opponents without Crossover's Game Film Breakdown platform, you're missing an opportunity to get a huge edge over the competition. Crossover's service lets you upload game film from your hard drive, video camera, or other websites like Huddle. Their team of football experts will then clip and tag the game with player and formation info so that when you log into your account, you can filter the clips however you'd like. They'll also automatically prepare a comprehensive tendency report and down and distance report for your staff so you can see exactly what your opponents like to call in specific situations. We all know that every coach spends countless hours preparing before a game. It's not about the time you put in, it's about what you do with that time. That's Crossover's biggest advantage. It allows you to use your prep time more efficiently and get an even deeper level of insight since you don't have to waste time setting up the film. Check them out. You're going to love them. You can sign up for a quick free demo at crossover.com forward slash football. That's crossover with a K dot com forward slash football.
USA Today High School Sports is America's leading platform for high school football. The Super 25 team rankings and expert American Family Insurance All-USA list have been determining the best of the best nationally and locally for more than three decades. Be sure to check out usatodayhss.com, the best in the game for everything high school football. Welcome back to High School Football America. Glad you joined us tonight. I want to thank uh, Tim Hudak for uh, joining us. What a great segment that was, uh, learning all about uh, the uh, history of uh, national championships in high school football America, in high school football and high school football America. Now part of that with our national rankings, and if you missed it at the top of the show, we broke down uh, uh, the way the national championship chase goes as uh, Allen tries to win its fourth straight mythical national championship. One thing I didn't mention in that segment is um, of the five uh, ranking services, which one is us, uh, in our, our media polls, so we combine that, um, Corona Centennial is the top team in the country. So right now we have um, four different teams ranked number one by the five polls. Corona Centennial is ranked number one by Max Preps and also by uh, NationalHSFootball.com. Uh, we have Allen, number one, as everyone knows. Uh, USA Today, our partners at USA Today High School Sports and the Super 25, uh, they have Bishop Gorman ranked number one. And then finally, uh, Prep Nation, which has been around for a, a long time uh, doing their rankings, they have uh, Katie out of Texas, number one. So um, it's going to be kind of a, a split decision here, uh, depending on what happens, but uh, you know, at this point, the only the only team in the clubhouse, as we know, is uh, Bishop Gorman. Uh, Bishop Gorman, uh, number one by USA Today High School Sports. They are they are done for the season, so uh, they need some help um, in our poll and the other polls to uh, to get uh, to that top spot. Before we go away here, uh, interesting interesting uh, story today from our partners at USA Today High School Sports, talking about Kevin Kelly. Uh, who's been uh, just a great coach at uh, Pulaski Academy in uh, the state of Arkansas, winning another uh, Class 5A state championship uh, this past weekend, defeating Little Rock's McClellan uh, by a score of 50-30. But at the end, uh, uh, Kevin kind of being called out for uh, scoring a, a touchdown that uh, with 12 seconds to go, you know, blew the the score open to to 50 to 30. Uh, one of the one of the local uh, sports writers, uh, sportscasters there, uh, calling uh, Kelly out, and uh, then uh, Kelly had a response and uh, give give Kevin Kelly some credit for for what he said. And I thought I'd take uh, some time here at the end to to read it because maybe uh, in this day and age of win at all cost and I, I do think sometimes teams may be performing for national polls, and that's one of the reasons we love using our algorithm because, uh, you know, it, 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 there's no performance numbers in there. I guess, you know, one of the things, you know, with the margin of victory does come into play, but, um, you know, certainly uh, I would say most coaches do not do that. And Kevin Kelly said this after being called out by uh, Stephen Sullivan of the ABC affiliate KATV in Little Rock. He uh, He wrote, uh, you know, I wanted to let everyone know that as uh, the head coach of Pulaski Academy, 
I make a lot of mistakes. Last Friday night, the decision I made in the closing seconds of the uh, Pulaski Academy versus Little Rock McClellan game was one of them. We scored a final touchdown at the end of the game when we did not need to do so. I wish I had not chosen to do this. In no way did I want to hurt the kids at McClellan or take the spotlight off of a fantastic season by their kids, nor did I want to take the focus away from Pulaski Academy players and what they accomplished this year. They represented our school and our state admirably this year and certainly deserve to be recognized accordingly. Despite that, sadly, my actions have stolen the much-deserved spotlight away from young athletes on both teams. I love the game of football in all sports, and I'm disappointed in myself for any negativity brought to the game itself, the coaches locally that use this game to develop relationships with kids and to the kids that play the game. I apologize to uh, my family also for uh, causing them to have to deal with so much uh, these last few days and for the pain that uh, they've all endured from this. I would give anything for not to have had that to happen. And this is where it gets interesting where Kevin Kelly in writing says, I am an idiot sometimes and when I make an idiotic mistake, I try to use that as an example for the kids by taking responsibility, apologizing, and making an effort to repair any damages. I will try to make up for this by serving the game well. I also apologize for the emotions and outrage that have been brought to the surface. This is never good for anyone. Football brings out the passion in many ways in all of us, and that passion should be a positive light in our communities. My decision turned that passion into a negative and destructive direction, and for that I also apologize. I became a high school football coach and athletic director because I knew that it was an opportunity to shape young lives in a positive manner and make a positive impact on their future. That is still the reason I coach today. I have always emphasized character and doing the right thing on and off the field, even when nobody is watching above all else. Uh, my commitment is to those principles, and they will not waver. Again, sometimes I am an idiot, and I will always try to make up for it. If I could go back and replay this, I would. I can't, so I will try to make up for it. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And it was signed by Kevin Kelly, the head coach at uh, Pulaski Academy. Uh, an interesting note that's uh, definitely um, counter to what we hear nowadays, uh, uh, coach, you know, not only taking responsibility, but when you call yourself an idiot, um, I, I, I think you, you, you realize that uh, you made a mistake and, and you're, you're definitely trying to set a tone to fix that and repair whatever's happened and, and hopefully grow, as he said, uh, moving forward on it. So anyway, you can read more about that story by going to highschoolfootballamerica.com. I want to thank our uh, good friends and partners at USA Today High School Sports for providing that story to us. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, again, if you're going out to uh, some games this weekend, I think you're going to see a bunch of dandy games. Again, players uh, this weekend that are, are still playing are uh, playing for either uh, you know a berth in a state championship or they're playing for a state championship. You can check out all the state champs so far. We have a, a running list at highschoolfootballamerica.com, but we wish all the coaches uh, the players, the teams, the fans, the schools, all of the communities, you know, good luck as we uh, come down and wind up the 2015 season. We'll be back with you next week. And, uh, you know, it's going to, who knows, uh, when the top 25 comes out on Sunday, could be a completely different mythical national championship chase. And that's what makes it so fun. For now, this is Jeff Fisher saying good night and good sports from Southern California. You've been listening to High School Football America on the Artist First Radio Network.